Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's head of UK content, Toby Cudworth, TC Top Cat, who's just been on holiday. Toby, uh, are you feeling refreshed? Feeling refreshed. Had a nice week away in Croatia. Recommend it to anybody listening who hasn't been. Went to Split. Uh, Weather was okay. Not the thundery rain that was predicted. Um, And yeah, a much needed break after what was a really busy summer and what's going to be a really busy uh, winter with the World Cup. Yes, indeed. Back in and straight to meet Jared Bowen on Monday. You can catch that in the next few weeks on 90min.com. We're also joined today by Graham, as I mentioned. Graham, how are you doing? Not bad, yeah. Getting busy um, towards the January window now. How much we see in January? Hmm. Everyone's debating at the minute. I'm not sure we'll see too many deals, but yeah, people. Are... it's going to be interesting with those players who really impressed at the World Cup, isn't it? Can they secure January moves or summer moves? It's going to be really interesting. Um, yes, indeed. A few months. Yes, indeed. We'll be talking a bit of Chelsea today, a couple of transfer targets from RB Leipzig. We'll talk Declan Rice, Benjamin Sesko, or Sesko. I'm, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Uh, I'm going to go with Sesko. Donny van der Beek, Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcus Tiram, Kieran Trippier, As well, Uh, we'll be talking about all of those today. We're a weekly show and we'll be talking about all of the big transfer moves that are mooted, that are upcoming, that are developing. And you can subscribe on all your major podcast platforms on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, wherever you get your podcast. And follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Let's start with Chelsea because it seems like they are planning for the future uh, under new manager Graham Potter, even though they have not yet employed a sporting director. Uh, they are still plodding on. We talked to Christopher Nkunku last week, Graham, and Josco Gvardiol is uh, another player who is on their agenda. So what? Uh, what's the latest and where are Chelsea with these two players to start with? Yeah, but both players are targeted in the summer. Um, it's ones looking to get done in advance. They don't want to be drawn into long sagas as they were this summer. I think Todd Burley and the rest of Chelsea hierarchy have learned their lesson. I think it's better to get it done now. Also, they want to make sure they beat other clubs to these two players. You know, I think Leipzig would rather wait till after the World Cup, rather wait till next summer. Um, for these two players whose values would, you'd presume will only go up. Cavadiol only signed a long-term deal in the summer to put off um, the move to Chelsea. Got a wage rise, but there's a release clause in there as well. So it's Chelsea, yeah, they're looking to a double deal. About 90 million, we understand, is where Chelsea are. They might have to pay more, but they want this done and dusted. We know Nkunku is obviously a player who has signed a pre-contract, but that isn't really, I've been told, it's not worth the paper it's written on if he doesn't want to end up there. But they want to get it sewn up with Leipzig. That's the key here, getting the deal done with Leipzig. And, um, yeah, they are trying that. At the moment, talks are ongoing. Um, we'll see how much it is for. They may have to pay more than the current release clauses to get these deals done. But, you know, it's it's an interesting way to go about it, you know, rather than wait until in the season summer. 
and getting these two players done dusted. I think Chelsea are learning their lessons in the transfer market. Remember Chumani from from just 12 months ago now, they decided not to do that. They decided to wait until the summer after and look what happened there. They missed out on one of the best young midfielders in Europe, his progress. Uh, and, and, and it caught us all by surprise. When Chelsea were linked to him, he really wasn't the best young midfielder in Europe. Less than 12 months later, he was the best young midfielder in the world. Um, so I think they've learned a lesson there and they are trying to get these these ones put to bed. Jude Bellingham is listening to this and is going mad uh, as Graham overlooks him for that. Uh, Gre- uh, Toby, I mean, Chelsea have still... Who's who's making these signings then? Is is this is this Todd Bowley? Is this uh, does Todd Bowley know all of the high profile, you know, amazing prospects who to sign for Chelsea for the next ten years? Is this a scouting thing? Is this a plan that you think is working? I am inclined to say it's the scouting network at Chelsea that are putting the names forward to to Todd Bowley because I wouldn't imagine that he's got the entirety of European football covered. Um, I know that he is a big football fan, but doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would know who the top calibre players are to go after. But we do know, um, as we saw in the summer, that he wants to make a splash at Chelsea and he wants to bring in top quality players across all areas of the pitch. We we know about their plans for defence and for bringing in Kunku in, who'd probably play further forward. But one of their long-term aims is to be strengthening in midfield as well. And Declan Rice is another player who comes into that that conversation in that bracket. Um, indeed, he was one of the first players that Todd Burley wanted to try and bring in this summer. Me and Graham did a story in June, which revealed that Chelsea had made contact with West Ham about Rice's availability. We knew West Ham's starts all along was to not sell Declan Rice and to keep hold of him for at least another year. But Graham, that interest is not going away, is it? From what we're being told, Chelsea still have Declan Rice top of their kind of midfield wish list for for 2023. And that was the case with Thomas Tuchel in charge, but also Graham Potter. Um, it's not a managerial decision, so to speak. It's more of a club ambition to bring him in. Yeah, very much so, Toby. And it's a player who, you know, Chelsea have long wanted, but it's a a player plays in a position that Graham Potter likes. He utilizes this this type of player in his system. And Chelsea, a lot of Chelsea fans say, I mean, they've never really, they haven't had this since who knows Makaleli, etc. They do have Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic. They're not really part of that that same position, but not of the same type, not the same mold. So and Jorginho and Kante are out of contract at the end of the season. And they def- almost certainly won't be keeping them both, especially on those contracts. So I think it is a position, although a lot of fans say, oh, do Chelsea need the rice? Yes, they do. They do need a player like this. So I think he'd be a, an ideal fit back at Stamford Bridge. We know that he's a Chelsea fan. He was a Chelsea, arguably a Chelsea product. Yeah, they ditched him early on, but he was in their academy. So he ticks an awful lot of boxes. You know, best friends with Mason Mount. We've seen that Man City, who did like him before, obviously they've gone with um, Calvin Phillips um, instead um, to go alongside Rodri. Um, unfortunately for them, they're both injured. Would we see Liverpool coming for him? I wouldn't rule it out necessarily, but obviously with the price tag, I think it just tees itself up to, for, a, for a Chelsea signing and we'll have to see how West Ham do. But I think the if West Ham can't offer him that top six at the very least, I think they'll have to accept that it's time to move on. Well, they made moves in the summer market, didn't they, West Ham, to try and not just strengthen the squad, but to show Declan Rice their ambition that they want to 
be pushing towards not just top six, but top four, bringing the likes of Skamaka and Paqueta. Really exciting signings to try and align with what Declan Rice's ambition is, which is to win and challenge for trophies. But it's been an underwhelming start for West Ham. I think we can all agree with that. Saturday's result is a step in the right direction, but they've got a long way to go to get their their season back on track. And Declan's got a big part to play at the World Cup. And if he performs well for England and if England do well, you can only imagine Chelsea wanting to step in at the earliest opportunity and to try and get a, a deal agreed, Graham, before Liverpool come in or before, dare I say, Manchester United still look to plug that gap in midfield because Casemiro turns out to not be the one for Eric Ten Hag. We don't know, but <laughs> Declan Rice is still on the agenda for every big team, mm. I would say, not just Chelsea. Yeah, it shows, isn't it? Um, form is temporary, class is permanent. You know, Rice hasn't had the best start to the season, but he could easily got a Qatar in being England's best player. So um, I think it's Chelsea of looking at this. It'd be very hard to do an early deal for him, as we as we say, Toby, but no. Um, I, I must admit, I'd, I'd be surprised if Declan Rice doesn't end up at Stamford Bridge. I really would. Toby, how's the general feeling around West Ham? There was a win at the weekend. Uh, maybe a bit of a turning point? Yeah, I think... There's been frustration um, around David Moyes' reluctance to integrate all of the new signings. But I think when you bring in that number of players, you do have to have a bit of a period of integration and it does take time to settle in. Um, There's been a few injury blows as well. West Ham started the season with one fit central defender and they had Man City on the first day. So they're always probably going to lose that game. Um, The performances haven't been great and they've looked a little bit lightweight and as Graham's touched on deck hasn't been amazing in midfield Thomas Socek's been struggling and when you are not controlling the middle of the park is generally when you tend to lose games but Saturday's game against Wolves it was probably the best time to play Wolves because they're also a team with absolutely no confidence Bruno Large has obviously gone as a result of that defeat um, but West Ham are juggling European football as well let's not forget they've got one of the heavier fixture workloads and although they have the squads um, capable of dealing with it now. Still a lot of games that they've already played and they've got plenty more before November's World Cup. But things are definitely on the up. I don't think David Moyes' position is under question yet. But if things didn't turn around in the next couple of months and they were still in the lower reaches of the table, it might be a conversation to say, hey, is this working? Is this what we want to do long term? But I don't think there needs to be any warning signs just yet, but West Ham know that they they must improve if they're to stand any chance, and I mean any chance of keeping Rice beyond this season. Chelsea, Graham, are plotting well in advance, and we'll talk Benjamin Sesco here because we mentioned him in relation to Manchester United over the summer. There was some interest from United as they were looking for a new striker with doubt over the future of Cristiano Ronaldo, which still remains. He didn't get off the bench in the Manchester Derby defeat at the weekend. Uh, Sesco scored a banging goal in uh, the, during the international break as uh, it's going to get exposure to Champions League football this season and has already been signed for next summer by RB Leipzig from Salzburg. Now, Salzburg sold to Leipzig. Obviously, we know the relationship between the clubs for a favorable fee to Leipzig. But 
Chelsea are among clubs, I'll include Man United and Bayern in this, uh, that we report on nightmen.com, that are looking at this situation and thinking that there's an opportunity there to just give Leipzig a quick, a quick opportunity at a profit and get in one of the more uh, highly regarded young striking prospects into their club early, earlier than maybe before. Because maybe you think two years at Leipzig, if he scores loads of goals in the Bundesliga, you're looking at maybe not Haaland reputation levels, but his, his price will continue to elevate. Is this an opportunity for some clubs potentially to just make or offer Leipzig the opportunity to kind of make a quick buck and then they have their striking striking cross prospect for the future. Couldn't get my words out there, sorry. Yeah, very much so. I think the Haaland situation has shown this, that he went from um, Salzburg to Dortmund and became one of the best strikers in the world. And I think the Premier League clubs are, are learning. I think it's a bit like Real, where, Real Madrid as well, where they're just starting to sign these players at, at the source, so to speak. You know, we, we've seen it from you know, Perez when he was thinking when the sign has died, everything changed because he's thinking, well, we should have signed him from Lille in the first place. Why did we let him go to Chelsea? And I think this is the same thing here. Why, why City, why are we letting him go to Dortmund first? And I think the clubs are learning now where let's take take a chance because it is a chance on these players. And Sesco is a player who we know Manchester United scouts loved early on. Newcastle looked at him and Chelsea spoke about him in the summer as well. And yeah, he's gone to, to Salzburg for around 30 million. But, we understand that United, especially, we're looking to pay 50 million for him anyway. So it wouldn't take much more, surely, for Leipzig to, at some point, we know they're a selling club, to think, well, yeah, let, let, let's sell this guy. Um, is he the new Haaland? And especially if they don't if they think he's good, but not the new Haaland, then why wouldn't they cash in? So I, we are expecting some interesting offers to come into to Leipzig to, before he even puts on, um, play, kicks a ball in anger in Germany. That he might head to to England or elsewhere in Germany because we know Bayern are looking at him as well. Um, and sixty million pound nowadays, it's not as it's not an eye watering figure as it used to be. It's still a big fee, but you know if these clubs think he has the possibility of being the next Haaland or Lewandowski, whoever, then it might not be a stupid amount of money. But yeah, they are going to test the water. We're being told they are going to let Leipzig know they can make a quick profit, and I imagine they might be tempted. You would think, though, that with if they are shifting the likes of the two players that we named at the start of the show, that maybe they wouldn't be in need of money so desperately. So, no, I don't think I, I, I don't think they ever will. I don't think they ever will be. But obviously, good business is good business sometimes. Yes, indeed. Uh, you can check out Nightingale Germany for the Bayern angle on this because obviously we know that much has been made of them deciding to sell Robert Lewandowski in the summer. Lewandowski obviously pushed for it. He's scoring goals for fun at Barcelona, but Bayern do have an issue with their centre forward. And we're, we're understanding that they probably are in the market for a new long-term centre forward. A number of names have been linked, but uh, Graham, the, the Bayern angle, how serious is this interest? Yeah. Bayern are looking at um, the number nine options. Um, and, and obviously you read this in the story on uh, Nightman DE. The Harry Kane being their prime option, you know, they're looking very closely at him, but yeah, they they give themselves a chance to look around Europe, see who who would be a good fit. Patrick Schick is a player they've, they've long desired to like him at Bayer. Obviously, he's like but everyone at Bayer because they've enjoyed a pretty poor start to the season, probably cost their manager's job in, in the coming couple of weeks, it looks. But yeah, 
Sesco, yeah, he's a player that they liked buying. I don't think they were as keen on him as some over the summer. But yeah, um, he's had a good start to the season where he's got four and eight. Obviously, he scored that um, worldie, um, which obviously means he can't. He's got he's the best young player in the world now for that volley against Sweden. Um, it was a lovely goal, though. To be fair, it was a very nice goal. It, it was, but as for obviously, you 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 believe one swallow does make a summer. I don't, but. Um, uh, yeah, he's a clearly a talented boy, and I think he's he's splitting a lot of clubs. Yeah, thinking you know there is something in there. There really is, um, and that's why the interest is there. Yeah, by Bayern though, they've got a lot of options. You know, Sesco or do they look at? We know they are looking at Ossiman. They're looking at Jonathan David, two really really top quality strikers who are they are going to end up at um, huge clubs at some point. Like no disrespect to Napoli and Lille, but they are going to get some huge, huge moves, those boys. Uh, and Harry Kane, yeah, I still think Harry Kane is the one to keep an eye on with Bayern. It's a really inter- interesting option for them. And, and it's one that Tottenham were worried about, you know, he would fit in well there. We discussed this with Sean on a previous pod, didn't we? That um, Bayern are looking around, taking the time. But yeah, um, but Sesco, yeah, is one of them. Do we think Bayern are prepared to wait until next summer rather than trying to make a January move? Because... I know they're they're still in touch in the Bundesliga. They've only won one of the last five league games, but I don't think they're actually far behind at all. They're only a couple of points off the top, but they don't have an out-and-out centre-forward really on their books, do they? Thomas Muller's, from what I believe, has been playing in kind of a false nine role, um, which isn't getting the most out of him. Do you reckon they might look for somebody like Schick? Although he signed a new deal, didn't he, over the mm. summer? So I guess... Leverkusen's struggles might be the only way for him to get out of there early, but would they wait, do you think, G? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a summer one. I think you're forgetting Eric Trooper Motting is still at Bayern Munich. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, Sané, Musiala, Muller, yeah, I think they can get through. They, they can win the Bundesliga what they've got there now. I think they know that. I think the, where they can win the Champions League with this squad, you, you never know. Hey, Mane... Sane, Muller, it's not a bad front three, is it? If you have to go in with that, um, I think they could hot, get by with that. But obviously, they always love a number nine, don't they, Bayern? So, yeah, I think very much the summer. And they're giving, they're giving themselves time to do that, Toby. I think you're right. They are looking around, seeing, seeing what's out there. Um, but, yeah, I expect them to get a big name next summer. Um, but, yeah, and, yeah, and say Schick, um, he didn't perform well at the weekend, did he? Um, he's, I think he's only got a couple of goals, having been one of the top scorers last season. So, yeah, um, I don't think he'll be top of that list just yet. Let's move on to a, a relatively large chunk of this show. I'm guessing we'll be dedicated all to Man United. Obviously, we've got two stories, uh, two talking points here. Out of a mound, to be honest, they were they were battered in the derby. Graham, you were there the other day. Uh, conspic- well, maybe not conspicuous by their absence, but Donny van der Beek cannot get a look in under... How many managers has this been? Ollie, Ralph... Carrick, I can't remember whether he played under Carrick, but uh, even his old manager, Eric Ten Hag, he's not, he's just not in the frame at all. So we'll talk Donny for now. We'll talk, we'll come on to Cristiano Ronaldo in a little bit, but is Donny, is it the end? Yeah, I think, I think we'll see him move on in January. Um, depends what move that is, most likely alone. There's a lot of clubs who are looking at him. You know, Ajax PSV in his homeland, if you want to go back there, there's clubs in all over Europe, really. Um, I don't think he'll stay in the Premier League from what I'm being told, although there is options there for him. But yeah, I think it's just, you know, an experiment gone wrong. Um, you know, is he, is, is he always the dangerous sign these blonde midfielders from the Eredivisie is even next to David Klassen? And unfortunately, for United, Van der Beek has turned out to be that. Um, again, 
Um, I, I was never a huge fan of his, but I think I think he did okay at Everton last year, to be honest. But I think he's, you know, just that mid-table Premier League player, and it's not currently the type of player that um, Ten Hag wants. I'm surprised he hasn't had more of a chance, if I'm being honest, under Ten Hag. And let, let's be honest, he couldn't do any worse than any of the eleven on the pitch on Sunday. But yeah, um, he's heading out in January, and we'll see. It's probably going to be probably United are going to leave it up to the player where he wants to go. But I think they will make sure that he goes to someone who can then make it into a permanent deal. So I wouldn't rule out a return to Ajax necessarily. Yeah, uh, big shame. United fans have been clamouring for him uh, to start games, but if this is a manager who's previously worked with him, who's not really given him a look in, then you know how much promise remains. Uh, Toby. What did you make of Cristiano Ronaldo being left on the bench for the entirety of the Manchester derby? And Roy Keane labelled it disrespectful. Uh, had a an argument with Micah Richards on the telly. Yeah. Uh, I've seen other people saying it's disrespectful. Ronaldo scores you tons and tons of goals. I think Graham's in that camp. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill as well. I don't want to speak for you, Graham, but I think you are. Um, I, I just say, if you've got a player that good, then it, it, it's just nonsensical. Not being able, When you've got someone like Bruno Fernandes turning in the display he did. Or uh, Isn't this uh, the issue, though? If you have um, a Ronaldo stands still, right? And if your midfielders are not being accurate with their passes, how can you expect to get the best out of Cristiano Ronaldo and make him score goals? I just think you're overthinking it. You've got a 25, 30 goal striker on the bench, bring him on. If he doesn't get the ball, how does he score? <laughs> yeah, you, you need, yeah, exactly. You do need you need the rest of the team to step up at some point, but the effort levels and and I don't think Rashford was fit either, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest to him. But you know, if he's going to be on there and put my effort in than the ones who are on there. Then... The only thing I would say is I think disrespectful is a bit of a harsh word because you have to remember that no player, not even a player like Ronaldo is bigger than the club. So Eric Ten Hag chose not to play him for that particular game because of the style that he wanted to implement. It obviously didn't work and City creamed United. So on reflection, it looks bad. But what would bringing Ronaldo off the bench have achieved? Nothing. Can you imagine the the scoreboard reading 6-1, or I can't remember what the score was, 6-2, 4-0. Here comes the board. Here's number seven. Here's a screen cap. Oh my God, Ronaldo is finished circling around Twitter for thousands and thousands of retweets. Yeah. It would have also, it would almost have been more disrespectful to bring him on. So in a way, I'm pleased that Ten Hag didn't do that. And he likes Anthony Martial. He he brought him on instead. He scored two goals. That you can't say that, that, Toby. You can't say that. United won the second half. What's the problem? Some United fans genuinely believe that as well. Um, I haven't listened to the promise stand just yet. I imagine Scott is one of those who sees the positives from winning the second half. Uh, with Martial the start. What, so. what, what's what's with all the slagging off today, Graham? You, you, <laughs> you're going for me today. Um, yeah, Graham, like Anthony Martial came off the bench and scored twice. I know the game was over, but mm. I've been saying for a while, I think Eric Ten Hag might fancy Anthony Martial through the middle. Still don't think him. I don't think that makes him better than Gabriel Jesus, as you said before, Scott. But hey, I didn't, we'll, I we'll didn't say. say that. <laughs> Great, Graham has a... <laughs> 
give an inch, run a mile, you know, uh, with, with Graham. But yeah, um, what what's, what does the future hold for Ronaldo, Graham? Yeah, um, I don't think it's in red, obviously, as we say, but... Uh, and people say, yeah, he'll go in January. As we know, Scott, it's not that easy, you know, yeah. You know, we know he, at this point he doesn't particularly want to move to MLS. I think that's... He still thinks he can play at the top level for another two years. I think he probably can. Um, I, I wouldn't rule out the sporting situation necessarily just yet. You know, Spartans want to keep an eye on will Amarin take one of these jobs? A lot of jobs coming up at the moment. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on, um, which may make it easier for Ronaldo to to head to Sporting at some point. But yeah. Um, and there might be some clubs who really need a striker in January. You know, it's still very early um, at the moment. If someone, if Atletico need a number nine, again, if, if Bayern lose another player to injury, could they take him for six months or something? Um, yeah, there might be some situation we don't, we can't see at the moment that yeah. maybe Ronaldo fits into with injuries. But yeah, um, I think he, and I do know he still wants to leave. We, we know that his, his attitude hasn't changed. And uh yeah, it looks to be better for all parties that he does depart. And we'll see what, you know, if he goes to Qatar and wins the World Cup, that's going to all sorts of pressure on Ten Hag, who then goes and lets him leave to somewhere else. So, so there's an interesting few of the options here. And, and everyone will laugh saying, Portugal have got a cracking chance in this World Cup. We've got some real... Not the way that they're playing. <laughs> I, I, I think Portugal have got some wonderful... Band. Like Matis Nunes is coming and being great for Wolves. Um... I think I think it's interesting. Let's see how he does in Qatar. Yeah, let's see how good. Let's see what he's still got left in him. Um, that might have a big say on whether anyone wants him. Toby, would yeah. you take Ronaldo at West Ham? Uh, no, because of all the fanfare, because of all the hassle, it's just not worth it, is it? It's not even worth it for United at this point. It's such a big distraction from what's going on on the field. There's enough problems there without worrying about some guy sat in the stands watching and whether or not he should be on. The focus, as Graham has kind of mentioned there, is on the other players who are underperforming. And as you said, Scott, if you can't get the ball to Ronaldo if he was on the field, there's no point in even being on the pitch anyway. It's, it's got to function around him to actually get the best out of him. And that's why I think Ten Hag is actually correct to not be picking him because he's not going to be there long term. He's just unfortunately stuck with a player on these gargantuan wages that, nobody else is prepared to pay I'm just gonna have to suck it up until the end of the season and then he goes that way I can't see any other outcome and I also can't see where the benefit for United is playing him in those sort of games I, I know he scores goals but Rashford, Martial, even Jaden Sancho would score goals as well providing the build-up play was more consistent and United actually had a bit of structure and authority about the way they move forward I do have that feeling that Man City are just this out of this world football team that, that exposed every single weakness in Man United. And if they can just somehow put their minds behind it and just move on. Everton on Sunday night at seven o'clock, a great one for the fans. Why? Why is that a thing? Crazy. Uh, yes. Uh, to the let's, fans let's who are travelling to that well match, Scott, good luck getting back. As well as Scott, that this was a City team with Nathan Aki and Manuel Kanji at centre-half in... You know, I think Ronaldo would love to have played against Manuel Akanji. He had some mm, iffy moments back there, you know. What would he have done, though? Like, I actually want to know this conversation. So how would he have beaten Manuel Akanji, who is, for his faults, a good 
defender physically and very quick, you know. I think he's better in the air than him and, and would have given the option for United then to go a bit more direct. They were going direct with Rashford up front. So why you have to play it to Ronaldo's feet because we've seen in the in the first few weeks of the season he can't beat people in foot races anymore. No, I think let alone Manuel Akanji. He could beat Akanji and Dak in the air. I'm pretty confident Ronaldo could beat both of them in the air. How many successful crosses did Man United put in? <laughs> yeah, but it allowed, allowed them to be a bit more direct, which is what they were doing. Yeah, they, they couldn't get the fullbacks, but I just think, you know, we've seen City susceptible at the back of the season. You know, they're not keeping clean sheets every week. It's true. Uh, I, th- I think the issue is that City is so good everywhere else on the field that it kind of hides the deficiencies they do have back there. Actually, I think City fans quite like Akanji. They think he's settled yeah. in okay, and Nathan Aki... He was by all accounts he's okay. doing quite well. Aki, well. Aki was outstanding, but Akanji, yeah, he was some was some dodgy maybe communications because he's very new. But yeah, he, he looks like Vincent Company, doesn't play like him, but yeah, he looks literally looks like him on the pitch. But um, I think if but you got to take your chances, and you know, there was no Rodri, no Phillips there, Gundogan, outstanding player. But he's not the best holding midfielder in the world anymore. That's why Pep likes to play him in the final third. Pep said this afterwards. That he was he seemed a bit worried about playing Gundogan there, but it was never an issue. But you know, I think I think that triangle there, Akanjiaki and Gundogan, and a better team and a better approach would have been able to look at that. Team who made better use of the ball would probably have had a lot more joy. But when you're talking about using the ball properly. It's not the centre forward that I'm talking about. There. I'm talking about the two midfielders, yeah. three midfielders, and the wide players. If Cristiano Ronaldo had started on Sunday, United would still have conceded six. It doesn't change mm. anything. Possibly more. Possibly more. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. Well, it's when it's where Pep for... did them a huge favour when he took when he, when he took Ford and De Bruyne off. Yeah, <laughs> it let them off. It let them off a bit. Didn't it? How how good was that third goal that City scored? By the way. Oh, De Bruyne. Yeah. Break, right? That De Bruyne ball into Haaland. That's the quality that you associate with Manchester United in years gone by. And it's just not there with the personnel that United have got. Bruno is miles off its goal. It's just because I, 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 was, I, was, I was comparing it to the last... I was at the last derby as well, too, the happies I've been to in a row. And I was just not expecting United to be worse than they were in the previous derby. But somehow they were. What was the score in that one? Ball one was last one. Didn't someone score? Yeah, score a late screamer. Uh, like Sancho made it. Was oh, it Sancho for one one. one. Yeah, right. yeah. Sancho for one one. Anyway, uh, we will see. Can United put it behind them? They have a nice Europa League tie against Ammonia Nicosia coming up on this day before they play Everton. Ronaldo uh, to start four 0 hat trick. I think he'll start Martial. <laughs> you know, he'll start Martial. He needs he needs the minutes, and I think he. I honestly think he'll be the the go to number nine. Uh, and now the race is on to see if he can score. What's what's the bet, Graham? How many how many goals is Martial going to score this season? Not including Europa League. Let's go overall. <laughs> overall. We'll do two. Let's go overall and we'll go Premier League. I think if you include Europa League, you could, you could possibly get twenty. If you include Europa League, if you pre- just Premier League, I reckon maybe twelve to fifteen range. Which is, I think that's about where he is naturally as a Premier League player. He's not it's pretty he's good. Not, isn't it? He's not horrendous. Yeah, not in the United right. team. But, yeah. I was going to say 12 to 15 all comps would be a good season because yeah. he's not going to start every I'm presuming the odd, the odd hat trick or four goal spree in the Europa League might emerge. I think 15 goals for a player who's not an automatic first choice when he has Cristiano Ronaldo in the squad isn't isn't a bad return. I think, as you say, I think he is those kind. I think he's developing that into. I think Rashford um, may become first choice but I think it's very much 50-50 between them two at the minute yeah 
let's move on. Premier League clubs interested in Bundesliga uh, player Marcus Turam. Graham, which which clubs are among the teams looking at this player? He's a uh, He's been on the cusp of a move maybe for a while, but it's never really materialised. I've got Palace Leicester Everton written down. What, yeah. what are we talking? Palace Leicester Everton, Fulham, uh, Wolves. Um, he's doing very well in the Premier League this year. He's a player, player who a lot of Premier League clubs have, have kept a close eye on. Um, but he's doing a job in the Bundesliga now. Glad back in four and eight last time I, I looked. Yeah, it's one of our German colleagues again on D uh, have done. And yeah, you can see him. He's available on the Bosman as well, 25. He's, he'd just be a very, very useful signing for a lot of teams. You know, he can play across the front three. He's one of these t- typical current forwards, as we say. He can play left, right, through the middle in a 4-3-3, which most Premier League teams seem to play at the moment. So yeah, a very useful sign for someone. And one who are could move in January. You know, he won't Gladbach won't be asking a lot. Uh, they're not they're not in the top four, they're not challenging for Champions League places. So this could be he's one whose name I think will come up in January. French international, isn't he? Sure. He got into the national team a couple of years ago. Mm. I don't think he's in he's not gonna make the World Cup mm. squad, but no, no he's and we player, we almost went the whole conversation about calling Lillian's son, but we didn't quite. <laughs> I was gonna do it to be fair, but um <laughs> Yes, indeed. Plenty of interest there out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, let's move on to the final story. Callum Wilson potentially in line for a new deal at Newcastle. Could Kieran Trippier follow him, Graham? Yeah, Wilson has has pay, put, put pen to paper on his two-year extension, taking him to 2026. Um, reward for his fine form um, to start the season. His form, which I think will take him to the World Cup. I think Tony and Abraham could be very worried by Callum Wilson keeping his, um, his his injury status. I think them two will be keeping a close eye on his injury status. If he stays fit, I think he goes to Qatar, um, a favourite of Gareth Southgate, and he's, he's shown good form. Yeah, Newcastle have got their squad tied up nicely, actually. If you look through their squad, there's not many players who need new deals at the moment, uh, but Kieran Trippier is one of them, and and he's a huge fan favourite. He was the first on board in this whole project, wasn't he? I think there's a real fondness for him, because he was the one who took that chance he was the one who came to Eddie Howe. He, 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 he set the he set that pattern to to St James. Say, come on, let's let's get this going. And the fans love him. And he's played well. He's played very well. To be fair to him, he's gone in there. He's led by example. Again, another player will be going to the World Cup, I believe. Um, and yeah, I, from what I'm told, they are considering a new deal for him. His current deal is 2024. So it's about right. Um, he's in his 30s now, but another two years for him, I think, fits in nicely with what they're planning because they won't be moving on from Trippier anytime soon. He's a very fit lad. Um, up and down that flank and yeah I think he's still a key part of Eddie Howe's plans going forward Do you want to do just the final section on England because mm-hmm. uh, I noticed that Neville and Carragher did it on Monday Night Football talking about systems and all of this kind of thing uh, Harry Maguire obviously on the agenda how do you fit all of those players in what are your Graham we, we've been teasing you for naming 50 man England squads in the past few weeks mm-hmm. uh, who are the surprise prospects that you think might make the cut and and which players off off the top of your head this is not in the notes by the way Uh, off the top of your head who do you think might miss out well I I don't think there'll be a lot of great surprises here Joe Southgate we know he's a loyal he's a loyal guy I think Calvin Phillips will go even if he hasn't played a game for City and he's fit if he's fit he'll go um I think James Ward-Prowse will go in midfield as I alluded to there I think Callum Wilson if fit will go 
I don't think it'll t- I think we did a piece, didn't we, where we had Abraham and Tony in England squad. I don't and Rashford. That's that's not happening. I think Rashford and Wilson is back up to Kane. I think Tony and Abraham will both miss the the plane. I think he'll take an extra defender, an extra midfielder. Um, I think Conor Gallagher will miss out. I don't think anyone who wasn't. I don't think he'll call up anyone who wasn't in that last Nation League squad, apart Sorry. from Cal, apart from Calvin Phillips. So apart from the injuries like Pickford and Phillips. But I don't think he'll call up any uncapped players now. I don't think we'll see a huge match surprise. James Madison will not be in the squad, even if he scores a hat trick in every game from now till Qatar. That's strong mental. one. That's mental. James uh, I, I, I'm not saying that's not my opinion. I just think that's what Southgate yeah, will do. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you, but James Madison's all around game mm-hmm. has been really, really good for two, three years. Um, but as you say, it just comes down to to favourites, doesn't it? And Madison and that role he was playing last night, you could see him playing like that wide, that 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 right hand side role which England play. You could see him fitting perfect into England on that right side. It's like with John role. You could see him there, but obviously, um, Gareth doesn't want him there. It's only enough room for a couple of free kick experts in Kieran Trippier and James Ward Prowse, James Madison not in the reckoning. What of Ben White, Toby? I don't think he goes, obviously, because he's playing at right back. Um, were he playing at centre-back and he was displaying the kind of form that he's showing at right-back, there might be a conversation to be had. But Southgate's got enough um, options in the middle that he likes. Connor Cody, as an, ex- as an example, is doing quite well at Everton, has settled in well there. So he's a player I would have on the fringes of my squad and I wouldn't be so sure about, but I'm almost certain that he will go. Um, I don't see Ben White getting in, unfortunately. I also don't see uh, Callum Wilson getting in. He hasn't been capped for for three years, and I know that's because of injury concerns, but I just feel like he's not been in and around the group, and Southgate is very, very keen to make sure that he has everybody that might be in his future plans in those squads, and Wilson wasn't involved. Um, in the recent Nations League games, I think it would be a big gamble as well. Fitness-wise, more than anything else, I think Wilson's got to show. He didn't start any of them, did he? So I can't, I'm shocked that, in, that in, the, in the Italy Germany game, why didn't he start Tammy Abraham in one of those games? If Harry Kane goes over on his ankle, which touch what he doesn't, but it's always possible with Harry Kane, like, who's he going to start up front? You know, he, he needs to, I feel sorry for Tammy Abraham. That's why I'm not sure that he loves him completely. You know, he's, he's been in the last two Nations League squads and he's barely played. Tammy Abraham also left out of Roma's starting lineup at the weekend for the win at Inter as well. Uh, suggestions there that it's not all going too rosily for him. Chris Smalling, what about Chris Smalling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's doing all right. Yeah. Didn't he uh, score the winner on yeah. Sunday? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. Might make Harry <laughs> Maguire, might make Harry Maguire look good. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, let us know uh, what you think. Gareth Southgate will do with the England squad if you're listening to this. Trent won't be going. And I said this to, and I'll back Southgate up here. He, he's never been a fan of Trent. He didn't, he almost, remember, everyone forgets that Trent almost didn't make the, the European squad. There was that big Ferrari, wasn't there, where he was on the brink and Klopp had to come in. And, but I don't think he, I don't think Trent will go. I must have, I, don't, I think with Trippier, Chilwell, um, Luke Shaw will go no matter what it seems. Um, although I loved Sakrit at wing back, I think James and Sakrit wing back is the way forward for England. I think I'd love to say that. But... Is that not blasphemy? Running with that. Um, but who who then who misses out at left wing back like Chilwell or Shaw? Oh, 
big wow. <laughs> and and, and then that, that, that allows the magical Phil Foden to start on the right, which he should be. I, I don't disagree with that. Saka, for me, isn't actually in England's front line. I would play... Can you imagine how fr- frightening that would be? James and Saka at, at wing-back. That's amazing. Can you imagine? It's just Can you imagine? Him, though, isn't it? Playing left wing-back for your country and playing right wing for your club. Two completely different roles, but mm. we'll see. Let's see. Uh, let us know what you think Southgate will do with the England squad. Obviously, the World Cup is coming up in about six-ish weeks' time. Did Luke Shaw us- start getting his game now, Scott, instead of Malachi? Possibly. Possibly. He was not very good uh, at the weekend. I could probably see Luke Shaw getting another opportunity. Uh, I think Casemiro will come in now as well. United, now that Scott McTominay's amazing run of four games hmm. is over. Uh, <laughs> I think this is the time. I, I feel sorry for Scott McTominay. No, there's no calls for Alessandro Martinez getting dropped after two good games of form and then back to his usual self. There's no calls for him to get dropped. Well, There's literally no point signing Casemiro if you're not going to bring him in after McTominay yeah. puts in a performance like that. Then why on earth? Yeah, it is, it's a strange idea. You can see that. I think that was the one on Sunday, wasn't it? Casemiro not starting. That was a bit bizarre. I understand why, but you can go and listen to the Promised Land podcast if you want to hear my reasoning for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went into it in a bit more depth. Graham, I'm, Graham, I'm sure you'll be doing that, but let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Uh, let us know what you think of the stories today. Read 90min.com for all of the latest. You should see most of the stories that we've, we've talked about on today's show on the website somewhere. Uh, we'll be back next week for some more talking transfers. Until then, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth, TC Topcat, who's back with us now and should be back with us on the future episodes of the show. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you very, very soon. Cheers.